We have a piano tuned, a chef stolen from Shepherds of Cairo, and enough champagne to fill the Nile. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clappercast, episode 96. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar, joined by my other hosts, Alina Falds, Paul Price. How's everyone doing this fine Super Bowl Sunday? Is it Super Bowl Sunday? Um, I didn't even realize. That's why I'm drinking it, um, too. Oh. In the afternoon, and I've, which I've never done before on the podcast. You had to start. You started later today than normal because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I had to go longer. Um, no, um, it's yeah, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and it's in LA. And um, unfortunately, this is going to be a surprise for a lot of people. I am very much into when my team gets into the Super Bowl, like. <sighs> In the same way that I think, like, the average moviegoer gets excited when a movie they liked gets into the Oscars, um, you're like, ooh, cool, I'll pay attention. Um, I watch the Super Bowl every year, but um, just for the commercials. Um, but when it's my team, I'm always like, fuck yeah, fuck. Is your team the Rams? <laughs> yes. I don't oh, okay. know. Of course my team's the Rams. What Rams? I don't know. The Los Angeles Rams. Wow. Well, I'm rooting for the Bengals uh, today, so. <laughs> Ew. God, Where are the Bengals I'm not a Rams from? fan. Since oh, I'm sorry. I'm America's oh. team's fan. I'm a fan of America's team. <laughs> oh, so you're a fan of the Cowboys? I also, actually, that's my backup. Um, so it goes, it goes Rams, Cowboys, I know the Dallas uh, Cowboys at least. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you're someone who goes geographically. I've never done. I'm always like, for some reason, picking the Baltimore Ravens as a child. But I've never like gone geographic. Okay, so when I was a child, I actually only chose based on um, the animals I liked. So oh, I was okay. like a fan of like the Miami Dolphins. Me with um, the Pittsburgh is, Penguins. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is like very embarrassing. Um, and then as I got older, it was like I do like the Cowboys because it's there. And then when I came to LA, that was like the one thing I missed. Is I guess I am a whore for the geographic aspect. Although I never cared when I was in. Um, uh, Savannah in Georgia. I had never connected to the Georgia team and I was there for four, four years, but, um, I was very upset when we didn't have a team and now we have two. <laughs> you got so, like dirty, no good backstabbing chargers. Yeah. Uh, no. San Diego, okay. So, um, I do <laughs> actually like the chargers look better. Um, like visually, it is funny that both are blue and yellow. Whoever thought of that, like we have two teams, Alina, and both of them are blue and yellow. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, now now we are uh, an embarrassment of riches with our football teams. Um, and I, I love it. I'm so happy. Well, that's good for you. Luckily, we do have a lot to talk about today as far as film. So we're going to move on from the football conversation because I don't feel like our listeners really care about football. But I don't also the game's over. Assumption. Well, yeah, OK, <laughs> no, <hold there. laughs> <laughs> this is true, but it's not for us, you know. The big game's over. <laughs> um, so, let's, well, in that case, another reason to move off the big game. Let's talk about some films, starting with the big movie of the year, I feel. One of the most anticipated, I think at least for you, Alina. Let's talk about Marry Me. You can start us off. I know that you've been anticipating this. We have, uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah, I've been waiting for this movie since, like, the trailer randomly played before, like, some random movie I went to the theater for. Um, because, like, the trailer is just so fucking chaotic. It's, like, a rom-com with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson, who are rom-com veterans at this point. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love a good rom-com. Like we discussed last week with I Want You Back, I feel like there have, hasn't been like very many good ones over the last couple of years with like a few exceptions, but I feel like they just don't have staying power anymore and they're mostly just streaming ones. So it's fun to see something like come out in theaters that's like a big rom-com and it feels like we have movie stars again. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, it's about Jennifer Lopez plays like a version of herself um named like Kat Valdez she's like a pop star and she's like getting married to this guy named Bastian who's played by that like Colombian singer Maluma who I think is in Encanto I might be wrong but my brain thinks that's a fact for some reason um and they're getting married at one of her like Kat Valdez's concerts so like in front of like 
thousands of like an audience of an arena and like millions of people on a live stream. And then right before she like goes on stage in her like custom wedding dress, she finds out that like Bastion was cheating on her with her assistant. It's always the assistants. You can't trust those bitches at all. Um, And like she starts crying or she starts tearing up on stage. And then she does this like whole little speech about like how she needs to like take control of her narrative and blah, blah, blah. And she's she sees Owen Wilson in the crowd, who is a dorky little math teacher who's like a single dad and his like child thinks he's boring. Um, So like he just happens to get dragged along to this concert with his child and he does it to like make himself look cooler and that's why they're there and like they lock eyes with each other and cat invites them up on a stage and they just get married what so fucking ridiculous and stupid um and then the rest of the movie is them like basically having like a pr relationship and then also getting to know each other and falling in love and that's all you need to know I liked it i had fun it's like really silly um and dumb and i feel like it's, like, nothing, like, special when it comes to rom-coms, but at the same time, it's really fun that we're just, like, going back to, like, the roots of, like, the early 2000s romantic comedies when everything was, like, simple and you didn't have to make it, like, a genre-bending thing. I had fun. I did not love this, but I didn't hate it. Um, I think my biggest problem with this movie, and, like, I understand this, would like, became one of the things we'd say for a while – Literally, the trailer gave away this entire movie. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a scene that I was like at all like, oh, I haven't seen this before. Like literal <laughs> clips of it show up throughout the entire movie. Um, and the other thing, Alina, um, you said he's kind of boring and his daughter thinks he's boring. No, he's fucking boring. <laughs> like there's one part where um, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is like, um bye and he goes call me if you get bored and she calls him back and she's like i'm bored and i was like you're calling no she said, said lonely lonely still <laughs> <laughs> regardless i was like my god why you He's like think sitting math there. club is cool the serpents i thought it was pythons because like oh pythons like oh i remember this movie way more than you people i guess wow, that's <laughs> no even no sadder. like yeah, yeah, no, I, I watched the movie um, and like I enjoyed it, but I've got to say if this had come out last week, I think I would have liked it a lot more, I but coming you. off of I Want You Back, which I was like, damn, we have rom-coms back. I was like, okay, well, this is fine. Um, also, I just don't find, I never found them to be like a particularly great couple. Um, this is the second movie um, in as many years where Owen Wilson's tried to like be a romantic partner to somebody. And I've just not bought it whatsoever. Um, the last one was Bliss with uh, Salma Hayek. And also was another movie where I was like, why are you interested in him? <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's it's really weird. He's just he's such a comedy kind of actor even when he does drama um that like i don't see him as somebody you're like sexually he he does not seem like someone who like you know like puts it in so like i'm just like very i have no sexual energy with this person and then you go look at like old rom-coms and you're like yeah these people like fuck like off screen they're like hooking up i was like this is the most chaste relationship like when they're like mixed working with the vitamix i was like yeah this is this is as close they get to intercourse (laughs) The Vitamix placements were killing me. I just want to say this one thing. There's, like, a point also, like, the Vitamix ads were, like, more than enough. But there's a point where, like, the kids are in their math club. And I was going like, to talk about this, too. They built a website <laughs> for Owen Wilson. He's like, oh, my gosh, I just made a website on Wix.com. And I was like, fuck off. You're ruining the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of my friends, um, the king of Burbank, um actually works at a product placement place and he wrote me and he was like this is embarrassing as someone who works in product (laughs) (laughs) i was like um yeah no it's so bad um because usually it's supposed to be like you know light notice like this felt like ads all of a sudden like it felt like 
you know, I was watching on Peacock and all of a sudden it was like stopping for the ad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, we'll talk about sexual chemistry later on, even with Death of the Nile in this episode. I will say the only time I think Owen Wilson has had great chemistry romantically was in Night at the Museum when he was a miniature figurine. But also, I don't feel like he had a penis in that. So that kind of worked. Um, wait, 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 wait. With the Roman no. guy. Yeah. No. Yes. Owen Wilson, I will take back uh, one moment or one movie where Owen Wilson is kind of like a very sexual person is, is Royal Tenenbaums. No. Is oh, that too. Also? Yeah. But okay. So like, it's just old. I, I think it's like post Marley and me. It like. Yeah. Neutered him. <laughs> he became a dad, didn't he? Yeah, they neutered the wrong Makes character. Sense. But I also feel like Loki was kind of bringing it back because, like, bitches were yeah. thirsting after Morbi- Mobius or whatever his name is. Is his name Mobius? Yeah, I don't like remember. Mobius trip. That's been confusing with Morbius. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. This movie, like, I really have, like, nothing to say because it's, like, it really is exactly what you think it's going to be. From the premise alone, you know what the plot is. It's not particularly bad. It's not particularly great. Like, we've even seen this premise of, like, this beautiful hot J-Lo with, like, Owen Wilson. Longshot did this premise better if you want to talk about, like, quality. But, like, I don't know. It's fine. It's, like, a perfectly fun Valentine's Day movie that doesn't, like, this is what I thought I Want You Back was going to be. It's not impressive, but it's not, like, terrible. It's a fine watch for what the genre is. Um, I have to pop in. Uh, No, this is better than that fucking shit okay long shot I oh, oh. I really like long shot that much long shot is one of the most in. annoying movies i've ever seen like i remember like being like please break up the entire Whoa. movie like when they got together i was like oh damn um but also i would go back to uh long shot works but i would say even stronger this is notting hill um okay. i saw a lot of people on letterbox uh, comparing this to notting hill which i yeah, don't think i've seen all the way through um, Notting Hill is fantastic. Um, in terms of like nineties rom com, to my list. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant as like mm-hmm. little babies, and they. It's just like really cute. It's um, one of those very like British rom coms. Um, I do feel like British people do rom coms a little better than us. Um, when I was going through like rom coms, like famous rom coms to like talk about, I was like, oh yeah, like About Time and all these like. Oh yeah, the uh, the Brits kind of beat us out for the most part nowadays, after like the nineties. Hmm. But yeah, this is cute. I don't think anyone will remember it, um, but I think it'll do what it's supposed to, which is be a very Valentine's Day kind of movie. Like they'll all sit down and watch it. It's just exactly. sad that. Um, although actually, I think um, I want you back because it is on Amazon Prime. May get more eyes. And the box office for Marry Me was not that great. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people like watch it on Peacock. I don't know what like the subscriber base for Peacock is, though, because like we don't have Peacock in Canada. I mean, I will say the Super Bowl's on Peacock. So I could definitely see like pe- like the people watching Super Bowl being like, oh, well, I'll, like let's watch Marry Me. So- I love the idea that all of these like bros are sitting around and they're sad because their team lost. And they're like, put on Marry Me. I need to feel something. <laughs> it's like how the Clover Par- the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, exactly. Like, got turned on. All the wives were like, I watch your shit. Now watch Marry Me. It's gonna I be loved good. I loved how we all decided to watch Cloverfield Paradox. And all of my friends were texting each other. Like, we just knew we had put it on immediately after. And we were like, what is this? <laughs> It was a choice. <laughs> it was the most roller coaster event because you were like, oh, hell yeah. And then it's like, oh, this is the worst movie. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> let's move on because, Paul, you had a film last year that you loved called Being the Ricardos. Mm-hmm. Didn't get Best Picture nominated, but you've talked about how much you loved it for months. I feel like only for that reason, we decided to watch Lucy and Desi. It's coming to Amazon in a couple weeks, I believe, but we watched it. I'll let you introduce because I feel like you probably are the one who's going to have the deepest connection to this just solely based on your love for being the Ricardos. Well, no, I would say I love being the Ricardos because I love Lucy. Um, You know, as I've talked about, like I watched like the TV land documentaries of Lucy and all this shit. So like even watching this, I knew a lot of the details, but um, basically this is a overview of 
Lucy and Desi's relationship with um, moments where it goes into their individual lives, but for the most part, it follows the love of their of their story. Um, this premiered at Sundance this year, uh, and it's by Amazon as well. And I know both of you said this as well. Um, insane that this came out after being the Ricardos. I really think that Amazon um, thought that Ricardos was going to be more of a slam dunk. But I think mm-hmm. that the problem that I'm seeing from a lot of people is that they feel disconnected from like the Lucy Desi story. And I think that this would have like filled in those gaps because um, I even saw people being like, oh, that scene didn't happen. And then like you're watching like clips of that scene happening and you're like, okay so actually that is how it happened so whatever you guys were like saying didn't really happen did or at least is part of the um lucy desi mythos um so it was like to me i just really loved this um amy poehler as the director did like a really great job um they kept the uh talking heads to a minimum and allowed Mm -hmm. Lucy and Desi and her family, their family to like really tell the story, which I like really appreciated. And I also love that it never shied away from the fact that like they both sucked a little bit. Like they were like really (laughs) troubled people. And I think that that's really interesting because you would assume that, you know, this would have been like a sainthood documentary, especially from Amy Poehler who really does idolize Lucy um so i loved that it was just like yeah no they were kind of like really troubled people who loved each other and you know it was their lives but i'm curious what you guys thought i really enjoyed it and i really wish that this had come out before being the ricardos and honestly my idiot brain didn't even make the connection that these are both amazon so i don't understand why they didn't like i feel like I've seen, I saw, I was reading the letterbox reviews and like half of the people, like people's that I've read said, why didn't this come out before being the Ricardos? Like they really fucked that up, I'd say. Because like, yes, Lucille Ball is like a really iconic person, but like, I don't, as like a 24 year old, I don't really know anything about her outside of like, I love Lucy. Um, until like we watched being the Ricardos and Lucy and Desi. So like, I just feel like this would have, like, just reintroduced, like, younger people that are, like, into the Oscars and watching, like, being the Ricardos, like, to them. They really messed that up. Um, But, yeah, I did think Amy Poehler did, like, a really good job. I really loved the use of archival footage and interviews and, like you said, Paul, how they, like, let Lucy and Desi tell their own story. Um, and then, then I did like towards the end when they like start bringing in like more of the talking heads and like, uh, female comedians who are like inspired by Lucy, um, like Bette Midler and Carol Burnett and like seeing them work together. That was really cool. And also I really loved the Buster Keaton bit. Um, it was just, I felt like it was like a really like good overview of like both like Lucy Balls and Desi, Desi Arnaz's like lives. And I also feel like this really like ruined Javier's performance for me because like I didn't really mind it. And then I watched this and I was like, he's not Desi. This is bullshit. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I agree and, with that. And me. that's one of the things like, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people on the Oscar and I was talking about J.K. Simmons performance. And I'm like, uh, it's pretty close to uh, <laughs> William Frawley's kind of like drunken kind of like mess that he was. Um, but yeah, I'm against Javier Bardem getting a nomination completely um because it's so weird it's such bad casting um he it's embarrassing (laughs) but it was funny um I don't know if you guys noticed I'm pretty sure that the pool they use in one of the interviews um during being the Ricardos is uh Lucy Jr.'s like pool that she like um i'm pretty sure it's like a different shot design so they like shot at lucy's um for one of the interviews interviews in being the ricardo that's really cool if that's Um, the case yeah um the the one thing that was kind of upsetting to me was uh i was telling you guys um mentioning carol burnett there was a story that i heard 
during one of the original documentaries. And you know how when you're a kid, just some things just stick with you and you just remember it. So the story was that Lucille um, always sent Carol flowers on her birthday. And uh, Lucy died on Carol's birthday and she died. She found out that she'd passed away. And then like a couple minutes later, her flowers arrived and it's like, that's like such a sad story to me. And I can just like, when you hear like Carol tell it, she like cries and stuff. And I'm sure they recorded it. And it's just a little frustrating because it's like, oh, that's such a good ending for like Lucy's thing, especially with like her, you know, being really close to female comedians. But I don't think you can beat the um, Kennedy Awards finale, which is like so impactful. And um is it weird? I was talking to um, Alina Carson about this, and I was like, I kind of wish Ricardo's had been like a mini series because um, it would have swept the Emmys. But also, like that final scene put her in some aged makeup. Like it would have been so good. Um, and they both, her and Javier, do TV, so I don't understand it, it. I do feel like you know retroactively, I really like being the Ricardo's, um, but I do think that it could have been a really strong mini series. So, I mean, to be fair, I, I, my thesis is that most things can be a eight to 10 part miniseries and be better than any other form of content. So I would agree with that statement. Um, I think the thing that really surprised me here was just how strong Amy Poehler is as a director. I think biopics are really hard to pull off, especially when you have a ton of archival footage. But she is really strong here as a director. We talked about Todd, ha Todd Haynes a couple weeks back in our documentary special, but like, I think she created a really dynamic, really engaging documentary, even as someone who's never seen Lucy in anything. I don't think I've watched a single thing that she's ever like actually done. But this, yeah, I know, Paul, I'm young. Okay, Paul, sorry. Um, you. <laughs> I'm 20. Ah, no, I'm 12. But, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, no, I, I was just really like, because I like being the Ricardos fun enough. I think it's, I'm definitely on the more positive scale of things, but I think I like this maybe even a little bit more because you can just really like feel the love they share, the emotions they go through. Um, I, I just wish it came out for Ricardo's. It's like why you put out one should be my neighbor before you put out a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You got to get the exactly, modern like, yes. conversation to love Lucy and they didn't. And then everyone hated that film. I truly think if this came out, let's say spring or summer 2021 being the Ricardo's like would be loved by everyone. Um, yeah, I agree too. It's frustrating. And I kind of feel like what they thought like the awards person and this is the same kind of like fuck ups that they did with um the Encanto thing um where they like are over planning and not just letting things be natural I'm sure they were thinking oh Ricardo's is gonna sweep and then we'll get that nom and maybe the best documentary win um the next year like we'll like do a twofer and it was just poor planning because yeah most people don't really remember uh Lucy and Desi uh, the details they know they remember them yeah i also wonder that when this does come out on prime uh it comes out march 4th by the way that i wonder if like being in the ricardos will experience like a bit of a renaissance and like people will like start changing their opinions on it see i think people are going to avoid this film because of their hatred for being the ricardos i like actually That's don't think many are going to watch sad. this <laughs> I think oh, oh sorry film twitter being bitter and sad couldn't they could never <laughs> speaking <laughs> of which that's actually a good transition to <laughs> death on the nile i assume is what you're jumping into oh fuck yeah <laughs> I, I don't maybe you i don't know if you want to maybe introduce that because you seem to have a statement you want to make with this one um yeah sorry carson i'm gonna steal another one um, yeah, so Death on the Nile is based on the Agatha Christie novel of the same name. Um, it's been remade, uh, or it's been adapted a few different times, um, most notably in the, I want to say, 70s with um, Betty Davis, and then um, in a TV show with David Suchet um, with Emily Blunt playing Lynette Ridgway. Um, in this one, it's... Uh, Kenneth Branagh kind of just doing his Poirot shtick, um, which he definitely steals from David Suchet, by the way. Um, it's really funny. It's like that was created by a different actor. And he was like, yes, thank you. Um, but it's it's just uh, he goes to the Nile 
um, to have a vacation and is caught up in a relationship with um, this like love triangle. And there's murder, there's, you know, a lot of accusations, there's hidden stuff. And I've sat there and listened to, you know, uh, film Twitter for so long go like, <laughs> we just need more adult dramas. We need to stop, you know, doing um, superhero movies, fuck superhero movies. And then you go and like, look at what they actually like. Every single fucking superhero movie, they're like, yes, this is the one. This is the one that's changed superhero movies. And every adult drama, they're like, no. So really, are you guys different than like the <laughs> average like movie fan? Like, OK, you like this like deep cut shit, but do you enjoy it? I don't think you do. I think you just like put a five star on Letterboxd, write it and like texted the way through it like i don't believe that you guys are actually having fun in movies anymore and that's my thought because this was a great time um you know i do think it's a little slow at points um mainly just um brana really feels like he's got to give a theme to these um the last theme was um right and wrong this one is like love and like you know, dealing with the fallouts, the, you know, the, the beauty and the tragedy of love. Um, and so he adds like this uh, prequel sequence where it's uh, actually, Alina, I'll let you describe the prequel sequence because <laughs> I am not as offended by it as you. <laughs> no, no, no. I enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. I just like, I sat down in Cineplex and like Death on the Nile starts playing and it opens in black and white. And I was like, are we playing Belfast instead? Did I walk into the wrong movie? I'm confused. <laughs> and then uh, it's like Belgium, 1914 or whatever year. It's But it's like clearly World War One, And it's like Kenneth Rano without a mustache. I'm like, okay. Um, and he's just like talking about birds and shit. And he's like, the wind. We should attack the Germans now. And uh, the Belgian troops attack the Germans and stuff happens. And... The captain makes, like, a wrong step, and, like, he gets, like, blown up, and then, like, Kenneth Branagh's face gets, like, fucked up from, like, the shrapnel or whatever, and then it's still in black and white, and it goes to, like, him in, like, a soldier's hospital, and his, like, <laughs> wife is there, or, like, a fiancé or something. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, well, you'll just have to grow a mustache. And then it, like, cuts to, like, the Death on the Nile title card, I think, and then it, like, transitions into color. It was fucking iconic. We got an origin story for the mustache. It was the funniest, like, depraved, insane shit I've ever seen. Like, amazing. I just, like, I really appreciate the, like, the nonsense risks that Kenneth Branagh took with this movie. Like, it was so good. I had a ball. Mm, I'm not sure I'm with you on the beginning part there. I was kind of like, oof. I was, uh, I don't know if I was there for the first, like, let's say 40 minutes of the film. Um, cause it takes about 52 minutes until, like, you get something that's, like, of concrete about a mystery or, like, a risk or a threat. And I was like, okay, that's a little long. Outside of Army Hammer and Gal Gadot, which I don't care what you want to say to them as people. And yes, you should, you know, research and form your own opinions. They're fucking incredible in this film when they're together. Like, they're, like, their chemistry is like not even great but it's so entertaining as they're just like literally just standing in the middle of the desert basically fucking over clothes it's incredible while but she's like, reading wait, Shakespeare. Wait, yes, while she's, she's, Shakespeare. Quoting, she's quoting antony and cleopatra while army hammer is humping her on the abyssinal <laughs> temple that's camp no, and then it's she dresses as Cleopatra at one point. I was like, oh, this is just like oh, I this is just a trailer for Cleopatra starring Gal Gadot coming soon. Okay. I was thinking the exact same okay. thing. But like we are gonna look forward. Wait. But then as soon as it hits, it fucking hits. And I wait, love it. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go for it. We gotta uh, we gotta pop in with yeah. Um the uh engorged clit that Gal Gadot has for um Cleopatra, it's her second movie where it's all about cleopatra and she's like planning to play cleopatra it is wild like we're sitting there the red notice started and i was like oh this is about cleopatra hmm okay you're wanting mm -hmm. to play cleopatra and then this starts and like i do not remember anthony and cleopatra being that important to um this movie and i feel like it's a note from her um i'm totally expecting anthony and cleopatra to be somehow be in uh the next wonder woman like i think what she's planning is she's like 
Wait, doesn't she end up in Egypt in Wonder Woman 1984? I believe she does. There we go. Oh, fuck us. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. what What I think she's doing is she's planting in your mind all these Cleopatra things. And then when she Mm -hmm. does it, she's going to win Best Actress. And it's going to be very exciting for me and very sad for (laughs) Alina. We're all going to be like, wait, she was a good actress. No. Um, Oh, speaking of which, uh, as an aside, um, the champagne thing is like it's so funny in the trailer but like when you watch it in scene you're like it's fine like i was very disappointed because i was expecting it to be as camp as like the um the nicole kidman amc ad see i would agree if it wasn't for my entire theater during my screening uh saying it along with her quite literally out loud that was camp that didn't happen for me and i'm sad that is tragic i know but like I, my screening was like me and then like 40 old white couples. So I feel like they're just not in the film Twitter bubble. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. And my friends, that is the Star Draft. Hollywood's award season is right around the corner, and that means another season of Star Draft is upon us. Star Draft turns Hollywood's award season into fantasy football. You draft actors and musicians, they win accolades throughout the award season, and your team earns points. This year, the Star Draft is hoping to sign up their thousandth user, and if they do, they're going to give away $1,000 in cash prizes. So join a league today and spread the word. Even we at Clappercast have a league that you can join on the site's public leagues page. So sign up today, battle it out with me, Alina, and Paul. Just look up Clappercast on the website, and that is at thestardraft.com. Once again, thestardraft.com. And may the anoms be ever in your favor. I, I will say, I think the one thing that just really held me back from the beginning, and I'm happy that you guys enjoyed it, is just like I knew the mystery was coming. And for me, it felt like I was waiting for the mystery instead of being able to fully enjoy the setup. But I feel like that's more of like a me have, thing than like a film thing. Have you read or not read, but have you interacted with the Agatha Christie novels outside of this I've read one, and I was in a stage production of one. Okay, so like Which my stage my one production, yeah. And then they were none. I was William Henry Blore, the alcoholic inspired casting. I, don't know I know. That one. <laughs> well, I it goes by a lot of not... names. The rest are very offensive. Yeah. He's he's right. gay. Okay, <laughs> I have not read Maybe. any Agatha Christie novels, and I haven't watched the show or seen any of the other movies, like outside of Kenneth's uh, Murder on the Orient Express. But I did play a hidden object computer game based on Death on the Nile one time, so I knew what I was I love that. to. Right? I was a huge fucking nerd when I had dial-up internet. I I was just playing random shit on the computer because I could not connect to the internet as a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> My point um, with that was. With all the Agatha Christie's, that's the thing. Like, how I always think of the Agatha Christie's is, like, you're watching an episode of Downton Abbey, and then all of a sudden someone dies. <laughs> like, and if you know that's how it is, like, you're just kind of like, ooh, everyone's, like, got a mystery. What's wrong with them? You know, and then you, like, they die, and then they re- someone dies, and then they reveal, like, what the fucked up thing with everyone is. Um and, like, as soon as you find out that someone's, like, you know, got a secret, you're like, damn it, they're not the killer. I was wrong. Um, and that's kind of, like, the fun of it. Um, so I was raised on um, the David Suchet uh, Poirot series, um, which is on BritBox. It's fantastic. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, like, know that that's kind of coming. But also for me, um, <laughs> and Chris made fun of me when I said, I love the supporting cast. And he was like, the supporting cast? Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, No, but like uh, Jennifer Saunders, Don French, Annette Bening, um, you know, like all of those like smaller, Annette's not small, but like all those like smaller roles, I guess. um, I was like so excited because it's kind of just like a, you know, who's who for me of like cool people that I like. Um, and so like, you know, when there's like scenes with them just talking, I was like, yes, keep going. Have a great time, ladies. <laughs> like, enjoy yourselves. Um, so I think that's why it got me through a little bit of that more. I do think if I like hated 
the actors or had no connection to them, I think I would have been bored through some of those scenes. It does feel a little bit like you're watching a, you know, uh, dramatic reading just with like a bunch of actors like doing a version of Death on the Nile with like kind of bad accents. And it's just it's it's like so camp. It's fun to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the performances all around are great outside of two yeah. people. I think everyone is good. I think Emma McKay genuinely is like or Mackie, I don't know how pronounced her last name is genuinely in my best supporting actress lineup. Like I could see her going all the way this year. I loved her in this film. I think the two that are bad are Gal Gadot, but she's like so funny. It works. The one who I thought was just abysmal was Kenneth Branagh. I don't know how y'all feel about him. I don't remember. I remember liking him in murder on the Orient Express, but here I thought he was like genuinely quite a parody of himself. I was like, Oh God, you're bad. Everyone else though. No, I liked. I thought he was having such a good time as Paul Rowe that I just let Did him. Did you like wild. him or the mustache? <laughs> I liked both. I think okay. it was just like fun. I th- well, because I used to really enjoy like um, Sherlock with like Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, and like I don't know. I just it's kind of fun just letting a detective like do his little detective thing, and like it was fun. What do you mean? I really liked everybody in this too. Like even Gal Gadot didn't piss me off like she normally does. Like I was fine with her. I tolerated her. I will say like this movie mystery wise. I thought I figured it out, and I pretty much figured it out right away. Uh, I didn't know the mystery going in. I don't know if you knew, Alina. I know, Paul, you did. Mm-hmm. But, like, I thought I figured it out. I kind of overthought part of it, but, like, I, th- I figured it out quite easily, which I think is the only issue. I think all of the main Agatha Christie novels um, are now easy to figure out because everyone's stolen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... This and Murder on the Orient Express have been like done to death um, in different versions. So like, you know, going into it with fresh eyes, you're like, oh, uh, I've seen this. Well, yeah, you've seen it because <laughs> all those movies you're thinking of stole from her. Um, so I with the murder mysteries, a lot of times I'll try to like, you know, completely wipe my brain I go in like a dumb baby. I know the ending. That's of what movie. I did. Like I had no idea who it was going to be. Like I had yeah. a feeling, but like still, when the reveal came, I was like, oh, I was so surprised because I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, I like purposely like you know, like I knew what was going to happen, and I was still like, oh, uh, they there are some changes, um, and I will say that all of the changes are so good. Um, there's a lot of stuff that feels a little. Christie-ish, which is just like, you know, um, oh, this person has a mental disorder or, oh, they didn't know this thing because they were drunk. Like, and you're like, what? Okay, sure. Fine. That makes (laughs) sense. But like this gave reasons for all the things to happen. And that's really cool. Also, um, I love that he brought back a character Um, watching. uh, So I watched uh, Murder on the Orient Express after um and watching like book show up again and i was like oh yeah this would have been so cool if this had come out in 25 uh, 2020 and i probably would have like remembered that he existed um it's like it was so fun to say like a continuing character because that's part of the poirot mystique too is he has like three or four characters that come in multiple times it's not book but it's other characters uh specifically hastings um is his book um, so it was kind of cool that they they did that. Um, but yeah, I I really liked this. Um, I really hope people give it a chance. It will do gangbusters on whatever streaming service it gets. Um, mm-hmm. And I expect internationally it'll do well. And I really think we'll get a couple more of these. Um, I think that the budget will be pared down. But I think it'll be like, you know, all these actors going, oh, wait, I get the dress in like hot 19... 19- 30s clothing and then put on an insane accent yes give me um mm-hmm. it's like just i was trying i really want more but like oh, this is spoilers but like at the end of the film he's like poirot has shaved his mustache so i just kind of thought that meant that we weren't going to get any more of these because he's done being poirot well um <laughs> rewatching I know we can grow it back well watching <laughs> murder his mustache is entirely different than the one he has in Death on the Nile. Okay. Um, also, <laughs> uh, I guess we can get into this when we talk about murder. Um, but they <laughs> reference Death on the Nile 
um, at the end of this movie, they're like, there's been a death on the Nile. And I'm like, has there? (laughs) (laughs) Did he do another one? (laughs) He's like still there. He's like, oh, God, another murder on the Nile. (laughs) I love that. Before we move on, uh, I know these two people are cursed, especially when it comes to like vaccination status. It's fine. We'll ignore it. But I really liked Letitia Wright and Russell Brand in this. I used to fucking love Russell Brand so dearly. And now he's like really panders to like alt right stuff on YouTube. And he really makes me sad now. But it's really nice to like see him and not have to think of all that bullshit. He's Uh, good. That was the sad part of this film is like all the problematic ones. I was like, wait. I love these people. Like this, this. they're great actors. I was like, "Wait, Army, I can't like you," but like, God, Army, you're really good as an actor, aren't you? (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, and that's like, um, you know, Letitia specifically. um, She has a moment where she gets to like emote, and she's emoting in like an intense accent. And I was like, "Damn, this is like Mm -hmm. good performance." Um, Same thing. I'm hoping that like, you know, she can get through this bump in her career. Because uh, the thing is, okay, here's with the whole like multiple like different canceling things. Like, I just feel like it's whatever hits at the right moment. Because like, if you look up anyone, like, you're like, oh, that person could definitely get canceled for that if this comes out. And I just feel like it hits at the wrong moments for certain people like Letitia. Like, there's mm-hmm. definitely one of the Oscar winners from last year is anti-vax. We don't know who it is. It's Francis McDormand. But we don't know who it is. And we're just like, oh, I love that person. <laughs> I even sent it to one of my friends. And she's like, I'm pretending to never see that. And I'm like, okay. Well, I try to lie to myself that it was other people than Fern. Because I like Fern. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is Fern. I have been in denial for months about Van Morrison and Eric Clapton. And they're like anti-vax nonsense. It doesn't exist to me. I will I will never believe that. It's not real. I don't believe you. Don't ruin Eric Clapton for me. Can't do it. I'll yeah, just no. deny. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's specifically with the anti-vax stuff. It's very interesting that there are certain people who have become like the sacrificial lambs to that that cause. And then there's like, you know, you'll talk to your friends. Um, I live out in LA. So I'll talk to some of my friends and they'll be like, oh no, this person and this person. And you're like, really? Wow. I guess everyone's <laughs> it's it's not just the uh it's the hollywood elite too <laughs> who were <laughs> yeah i will say to your credit paul about uh one scene that she had like i think some people even people who are liking this film are kind of downplaying it i don't think it's just good because it's camp like i think there's some really brilliant like emotions here and really moving moments the ending of the actual mystery i was like damn that's like good like this movie has this layer of like a specifically with how it incorporates love and you mentioned that brana brings a theme to these i think this one especially really like moved me at times i really like pray we get more of these which is crazy because i did not like murder on the orient express i didn't in a minute yeah like even if it's just like Disney, do it like a 10 part mini, do a 10 part series where every episode's an hour and you can do a bunch of these. So like, I just want more of these. I don't want this to be the death of it because like, these are good. I, I want to reach, uh, rewatch Murder now because like, is it good? Could it's, be? it's definitely Was like, it's definitely years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's that I just wasn't in the right mindset. And then going back and watching it, I'm like, oh, I get what I'm supposed to be doing right now. You're just kind of like, oh, this is fun acting. And these are like characters, you know, actors like having a great time. And like, it doesn't matter that like I figured out the mystery and all that stuff. Um, You're kind of just like vibing with, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. Just like acting his ass off. And then like, you know, Daisy Ridley also there. Okay, and on that note, let's transition over to Murder of the Orient Express, but specifically because this is the start of a new series. So every week we're alternating between Road to WrestleMania and the other thing, probably, you know, a little bit more important that we covered, the Oscars um, as a movie podcast. <laughs> we're doing the Road to Oscars. So until the Oscars, every other week we're going to be talking about wrestling, but the other weeks we're going to be talking about films that sees multiple of the acting nominees in them. Uh, these are might be like it's a ton of different genres a ton of different fun films normally we're going to be doing one film but this week we have two but let's start with murder on the orient express considering its obvious ties to death on the nile paul take it away yeah so um murder on the orient express has three oscar nominees penelope cruz olivia coleman 
and Judy Dench. Um, and Brana as director, technically. Yeah, and Kenneth Brana yeah. as director, um, which is kind of cool. It's like it's a very like this one works for a multitude of reasons. Um, but you guys didn't want to rewatch it at the time. We had not watched Death on the Nile yet, so I just like added it as a bonus um, for myself. Um, yeah, no, it it's so much better a rewatch, um, which I'm embarrassed about. And I want to say that this is because like this is the Batman syndrome, you know, where you don't want to see a new actor play Batman. I think I didn't like this because I am so obsessed with David Suchet's version of Poirot that watching someone else do it the first time like was offensive to me. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is that mustache? Also, his mustache in um, Murder on the Orient Express is embarrassing. Um, the the one in Death on the Nile has the two points, which is also weird, but it's not as weird as like it, it covers his entire head. Like it's closer to um, like, what is it? Dr. Eggman from Sonic. Like it's like that kind of mustache. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just, Really, like, watching that movie, uh, re-watching it, uh, you notice that it's just a lot of, like, good acting sequences. The The mystery is terrible. Um, and I think it's actually a detriment that he chose this first. Like, I, I love this series so far, but I also can point out the fact that you don't start with Murder on the Orient Express because Murder on the Orient Express is the exception to the rule um, and I never feel like that's even a surprise. You like <laughs> feel like within an hour of this movie, you know what the ending is. Um, so you're just kind of like sitting around just vibing. Um, but yeah, no, everyone's really great in it. And, uh, Judy Dench does a terrific job. Olivia Coleman plays her, um, like her nurse, her associate. She's also great. Um, and then... Penelope Cruz plays a completely different role than I usually see Penelope Cruz do to the point that I always forget Penelope Cruz is in this movie because I'm used to Penelope Cruz, the seductress. And like, this is like very like drab, like, you know, um, uh, a very uh, religious nurse, like very interesting role for her to be cast in, but I kind of love it. And I love that overall, with the series, they really work on playing people against type. Um, and that's kind of fun. So, yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, if you watched it and didn't love it, try Death on the Nile. And if you like that, go back. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't like it, then, then don't. Fuck you. I do want to rewatch it now because I just remember I watched it like I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it in like spring 2019 just like randomly with like an old roommate and i just remember like suffering through it and i thought it was so fucking boring and i was really struggling and i'm sad because like there's so many people like in the murder on the orient express cast that like i really like also some problematic people but that's fine i still kind of <laughs> like them <laughs> um so like i remember just being really really disappointed that there was all these people in this like movie and it's like a visually stunning movie but i was just bored um i don't know maybe maybe my like opinions will change if i do decide to i go think back to it. i think mine went up a star from my original. I have it at a two and a half right now. And uh, I basically just wrote, this is boring, but I did like Kenneth as her Gilboro. I want to see the Agatha Christie Cinematic Universe, but specifically the KB ACCU. We're going to make it a thing. It's going <laughs> to take love off. <laughs> I think that what I remember from this film, because I wanted to rewatch it, I just didn't get a chance because we added a film late and I was busy and blah, 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 blah. Um, I remember the visuals being good. I remember liking like, technically most of the film which also in death and nile i thought like the visual effects were kind of iffy whenever it was practical i thought it was like amazing um i remember that here i remember liking some of the performances but really like you said paul the mystery like really failed to hook me because it doesn't feel like there's any set direction and then there's kind of a reason for that and i think the payoff which i won't spoil i guess if you've not seen it yet but like it sucks it sucks for the first mystery. If this was like five mysteries in, I could see it being a really nice change in tempo. And like, that's something really interesting to do. Because again, I didn't know the result of this going into it. Um, but as is, 
was not a fan of it. And I was just, again, with Elena, bored. I was really bored, I think, by the end of this film. But I would be interested to rewatch now. Well, let's move on to our other Road to Oscars film this week. We have Nine from 2009. Not the Nine from 2009. That's the animated Nine from 2009, but the live-action Nine from 2009. Um, it's very not confusing It was very confusing. Um, I remember that time. I'm sure you were eight, <laughs> so you don't remember this. But I remember seeing Nine... And then nine was coming out later, and we were all like, "Really?" <laughs> if only I was born one year, yeah, oh, like before, because then I would be nine. Oh, that would have been cute, iconic. <laughs> but sadly, I was eight. Yes, um, I, uh, I guess I'll introduce this because I've not introduced anything today. Rob Marshall about this director who has one week before production starts on his new film. The only issue is. He doesn't have a screenplay so he is thinking about like his life and he's kind of going through these memories and going through these people who've inspired him or who he knows and it's done through like these stage production musical moments um as he's trying to find the inspiration to write his screenplay and i loved this film paul i've <laughs> never i never have heard of this film even for some reason but like I adored this. I thought the the musical productions, the songs, and this like whole choreography, everything was not only just like stunning and iconic in their own right, but as like a screenplay device. I was here for this. I thought the acting was incredible. Love Daniel Day Lewis. Big fan. I am so really? happy. No, my favorite part about this is I literally I'm saw nine. One. No, I yeah. I think I think nine's fine. Um, oh my it, god yeah. it's like it's a big fine for me um uh but <laughs> here's why um i think that he like did a lot of the things he did in chicago a little bit better like not as good here and so that's I why in chicago to be fair oh okay so like when well, you Chicago's watch chicago yeah but like <laughs> chicago is definitely like he was like trying to catch magic again um and i think if you haven't seen chicago that actually you know what? That makes perfect sense. But um, <laughs> no, what I had forgotten was some of these songs slap. Like they are so good. Um, Cinema Italiano is like one of my favorite songs. And it reminds me of every single film school nerd because she's saying nothing. <laughs> like She's like, I love cinema, you know, the outfits, <laughs> but it's in black and white. <laughs> the people are hot. It's like, um, I read on Wikipedia after they were like, yeah, original critics were like, this song uh, doesn't really explain cinema Italiano at all. And it was like, yeah, that's the point of the song. It's that, <laughs> you know, uh, he's not going to be remembered for being like this great auteur. Um, you know, uh, he's just some dude. Um, did you mention, Carson, that this is eight and a half? I did not. OK, so it's a the. It's basically the musical version of uh, Fellini's Eight and a Half. Um, that's why it's called Nine. Because um, Eight and a Half was his in-between movies. Um, so, like, he had his eighth film, and then he couldn't figure out anything, so he made Eight and a Half, which ends up being his most famous film, and then he makes his ninth film. Um, and this was just, like, him, like, basically doing therapy on stage. Um, so it is <laughs> interesting to watch... You know, um, I, I never saw the musical by itself, but it's interesting to watch someone who Rob Marshall, if you look at his career, was probably having a Fellini moment. So it's interesting to see, like, someone taking a adaptation of someone else's, like, mental struggles and then doing it while they're struggling creatively as well. Like, as a piece of art, very fascinating. All of the casting, phenomenal. Um, it is very similar to, um, you know, what we're talking about with death on the Nile and murder on the Orient Express. I kind of missed that where it was just like star studded and, you know, like you looked and you were like, oh my God, I love every single person in that. Um, and so like, I think there are parts of this that are a little slow. And I think one of the problems is that Guido, <sighs> is too flat a character and Alina, you can talk to this too, to be so obsessed over. Like I find his personal struggles interesting, but I don't understand why all these women are like, I need you. Like 
you know, fucking Penelope Cruz is sitting there and she's like, I'm going to be sitting here with my legs open for you. I'm like, why? You're Penelope Cruz. <laughs> also, I love that she got an Oscar nomination literally for just moaning. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, I got an Oscar nomination for this. Yes. <laughs> this got multiple Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah really? this was like, I yeah. like, same with Carson. I've never heard of this. And Paul was like, let's watch Nine. I was like, I have no idea what the fuck you're <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, at the time, like Nine, like people, it was one of those that like barely missed probably like Best Picture. Um, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, I love that if I was doing like film review, I would have stand this film. Until, like, I, just know, <laughs> I, I like, I don't know. I have not watched Chicago, so I cannot give like that retrospective on like, is it better or worse than Chicago? But, like, I really love this. One. I'm really sad. I thought you guys like, I really thought we were all going to be like, this is. Great. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I think there. I think the music video sequences are fantastic. That's like 95 percent of the film, though. No, but I'm saying like, you know, there those moments. I just find like. The in between, yes, any scene that's not music, I'm just like, okay, like, mm-hmm. ugh, you're, you're such a piece of shit. Like, and I feel like he like gets redeemed a little bit throughout the movie, not just at the end, but like throughout the movie, it's like, oh no, it's because you're an artist, and I'm like, you're still an asshole. Your poor hot wife is sitting there strip teasing for you, and you're like. He uh. was so mean to Marion Cotillard in this. <laughs> I was bored. I was so bored. And I was not expecting to be bored because it's fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, what do you mean? Um, I was just like, most of this was such a fucking slog, dude. And also, I watched it on this, like, weird, like, free streaming platform that, like, makes you watch ads. It was Tubi? not Tubi. No, it was like oh. this thing called Plex. I'm like, I've never heard of this, but I don't want to rent this movie, so I'll watch it. And like every time an ad hit, it would like get more. So like the first time there'd be three ads, and the next time an ad hit, it'd be four ads and five <laughs> and six. So I really struggled. Um, I watched it on Canopy, and I had no ads, so that was that was. Great. I watched it on Tubi with no ads because my ad blocker blocked all of them. So oh, good. there you go. I don't use um, an ad blocker because it feels mean. <laughs> literally fuck ads wait, unless they're on clappercast i do not care about it wait i'm i love the idea that you just said i feel bad about ads but i did steal this movie <laughs> so you're fine paying having the company that like <laughs> ripped this movie listen i don't know how it ended up on plex whatever that is listen but like i will patiently sit through ads on youtube to like support creators are like that's all i mean that's all i mean and listen oh, I, just, I do I just a fortune on films okay it's fine to like watch them mildly illegally from time to time um i yeah. have one job i'm a 24 year old i can't afford it all the time <laughs> but no carson i think i'm like i'm smack dab in the middle of youtube because i do there are heights to it that i'm like yes this is so much fun um you know <laughs> having fergie sing a song called be italian while she's stripping for children is wild <laughs> i like that part a lot actually that was fun <laughs> um you know having sophia loren just sing this insane song that really has nothing to do with anything I mean, his mom's not a character in the movie so <laughs> she just pops up just for that um, yeah, no, I no, just... she pops up in the beginning when they're like driving in the car and she's like a ghost. Yeah, no, like... I know. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I was like, wait, she's dead. I was really confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like he just took the, um, the concepts that he uses in Chicago, um, which work for the story a little bit better. I wish if he was going to do this. It hadn't been as much a stage as a film set would have been more interesting because um, a stage is just Chicago again. And in Chicago, it makes perfect sense why it's a stage. Um, But yeah, when it cuts like going back to cinema Italiano, when it cuts and it's shooting in like the, you know, uh, that kind of genre, it goes from like, you know, contemporary Hollywood filmmaking to you know, the the 60s kind of like hot glamour shoots. Great. Um, Kate Hudson, fantastic. Everyone, everyone's cast well. Like, I think this is the best version of the musical it could be. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, 
maybe not the strongest musical to start with and also just a weird musical uh, but it got a bunch of oscar noms <laughs> mm-hmm. there are two really funny letterbox reviews of this movie that i enjoyed one is by a person named aaron Beiser. Uh, that says this whole movie felt like a very long misogynistic Chanel commercial and this being a perfume commercial I can absolutely see and the other one that I thought was funny was uh from a person named Lauren the perfect movie to watch on a Friday night with your loved ones if you're the gaudy family (laughs) like that John (laughs) (laughs) so funny those are all my thoughts (laughs) Those are all my thoughts. (laughs) Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode. Let's go around and say our recommendations for the week. Um, I will start this week. There was actually a shit ton of releases for some reason. And a lot of them just kind of randomly got buried, including Steven Sodenberg's Kimmy. This is the newest project he did on HBO Max. He's done like, I forget the one last year, but he did Let Them All Talk. He did. He's done a couple HBO Max and he's doing a bunch more luckily releases. Um, This one's good. It's not quite my favorite. He's done. I think it's actually probably the worst of the HBO Max releases, Um, but it follows this coder. Um, who works for this kind of like Siri. It was basically a Siri ripoff called Kimmy and she hears audio, but like it's humans listening. I'm explaining this horrendously, um, but it's 90 minutes. It's Sodenberg. It's fun. It's about the COVID-19 pandemic. It's probably the best pandemic film to come out in recent, like so far. I really overall enjoyed this. And I think I love the Sodenberg collaboration. Uh, Watch Let Them All Talk. I think Let Them All Talk. Paul, have you seen Let Them All Talk? I saw that five times. Yes. Did That's you like it? fucking terrible. Oh, no. I thought you were going to like that. I like that one, though. <laughs> Wait, actually, I'm sorry. Um, I have a rule where I'm not supposed to talk about the films that are <laughs> made by the people that I know. Um, I worked with Steven Soderbergh for a stupid thing. So, in fact, actually, I abstain. You can leave all this in. <laughs> That's sad. I really like But it's okay. But it's white, rich people on a boat. I thought you were going to like that. That's okay, though. That's not important. I think that's uh, great. I think most of these wait, are good. Wait, 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 wait. That is also bad, but I was thinking of the other movie. Um, What's the other one? The one about, like, the murder last year? Or, like... Yeah, the the let uh let them all talk no no (laughs) see you just did the same thing i did (laughs) oh no sudden move no sudden move that is the one Uh so i apologize to let them all talk which is a bad movie as well i mean it's not i abstain but that's that's okay (laughs) um so yeah i'll just recommend that i guess um alina what's your recommendation this week Okay, I watched this movie last week because, like, the director damned me on Twitter and asked me to watch it. Um, It's this Indian film called The Chicken Curry, and it's, like, a debut feature. And, like, it's not for everybody, but I had such a good time with this. It's about this, like, old Indian couple living in, like, rural India um, in, like, a little village. And uh, they have, like, a little cute little farm. Uh, and their grandson, who they love, is coming to visit. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, our grandson is coming to visit. We haven't seen him in years. He loves chicken curry. We have to make him chicken curry. And then their chicken goes missing that they were going to, like, slaughter for the chicken curry. And uh, they, like, start accusing all of their, like, workers on, like, their little, like, house in the village. And I, again, Paul is giving me the most judgmental look. Listen, it's It sounds cute. like Pig if he was like, and I want it for bacon. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I still haven't seen Pig. But you know what? Maybe there's parallels. But I don't know. I just like had a really good time watching this little old Indian couple trying to find their chicken. It was really cute. Uh, I don't think it's out yet. To be to slaughter the chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm a vegan. It's, so I feel I like rooting for the chicken. Put that aside. Yeah, put that aside. No, I assume the that the chicken stolen. killed the grandson. <laughs> no um it was cute uh i and think it was like really solid for up. a debut future <laughs> i don't know i just had a really good time watching this little old indian couple trying to find their chicken it was really cute it reminded me of my own grandparents from time to time so uh i don't think it's like out yet but like the director said it's supposed to be like coming on like vod i don't know if like he said worldwide or like just in india but towards the end of the month but it's cute did your grandparents slaughter a lot of chickens in front of you? No. I just oh. mean like their dynamic. 
Apparently they did like kill goats and stuff when they lived in Guyana. But like, listen, you got to do what you got to do to survive in those countries. Look, I slaughtered an elk one. So like, it's all okay. We talked about this on the podcast, yeah. Paul. How did yeah, you forget Yeah, he's this? hunted stuff before, remember? I forget. Yeah. Block it out. I Yeah. I mean, it's not great, eh? I don't stand by. I would not go hunting today, but. Yeah. And I did. Paul, what's your recommendation? Okay, so I'm cheating. Um, Shocking. <laughs> I have <laughs> three. Okay, so the first one is um, Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie's. <laughs> the first one is Agatha Christie's Poirot, um, which is a show that started in, I want to say the 80s and went all the way through the 90s into the 2000s. Um, and it's David Suchet doing Poirot. It's um, fantastic. I went and rewatched and I was like, nope, this is still great. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really well-made um you know murder mystery show um you just put them on and you're like yep this is comfort food um totally recommend it um the next one is if you've watched death on the nile um there's two actresses um older actresses jennifer saunders and don french um i know them from jennifer saunders show ab fab absolutely fabulous which is her playing um, this like rich bitch fashion designer and she's a horrible mother and all she wants is for her daughter to like her. And it is so funny. Um, Totally recommend if you're like into like kind of like camp kind of comedy. Um, One of my favorite shows ever. The other one is Dawn French um, and she is in a show called Vicar of Dibley, which is a very like sweet show about a, woman vicar showing up in a town that's kind of like backwards and it's very much another like comfort food kind of um show um so yeah like i don't know if uh the generations after me like still watch britcoms i feel like very much my generation were like kind of into them but if you haven't checked those out and you can deal with like the 90s um in terms of like quality um they're so good they're the funniest Funniest, and then also Poirot is, like, just great. Well, let's go around and see where we can find everyone on social media. Paul? At Pricelike Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Alina? Uh, at Alina Folds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can find me on Twitter at PP underscore movie reviews, Letterbox Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. Write us an email at clappercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clapperpodcast. New episodes every single Wednesday. Goodbye. <laughs>